Hey everybody, this is Corey. Don't worry, the regular music will be back momentarily. Consider this the disclaimer music. So, just wanted to mention that we had a couple of audio issues on this one that we couldn't 100% resolve, but it's a very good episode with a very fun guest and we think you'll have a really good time. So, without further ado, here's that regular music I promised. Hello, and welcome back to They Made Another One, where each week we discuss an off-forgotten installment in a franchise and see if you should check it out for yourself. I'm one of your hosts, Corey, and I'm a girl. And with me, I've got Liam. None of you are special. And Mitch? In the words of Mrs. Wormwood, I'm having a stinking baby! (laughs) And we have a very special guest for today's episode. You may remember her from all the way down under (laughs) abby's back (laughs) my mommy says i'm a miracle i find it interesting that you're both quoting from right at the start it's the only thing i remember i stopped (laughs) taking notes after a while i stopped watching the movie i just closed my eyes and fell asleep like a dad would do (laughs) it's not like it's not like a couple weeks ago with that one heinous pick (laughs) the shower pick Ah, somebody's out here taking shower pics? I don't even remember the name of that fucking movie. Silent Night, Bloody Night. Yeah, that one. Revival. Yeah. Yeah. So, this is the second musical? No, man. Mamma Mia 2, Mary Poppins Returns. Mary Poppins... Is Mary, yeah, I guess Mary Poppins is one. It doesn't feel like one in my head, like when I think about the movie. A Star it is d- Born. Star is Born. Okay, so yeah. not at all two. Yeah. More like five. <laughs> I could have sworn it was only one. Other one. Well, that line of thought is out, but we're doing a musical again. We haven't done many, but we have done several. I think it might be worth getting a quick feel for two things amongst the group. Uh, the first is just, uh, do people vibe with musicals in here generally? I know we've kind of, we've gone over this before, but not with everybody. So I have been doing musical theater since I was five years old. So I very much vibe with, with musicals in general. However, I will say I don't normally vibe with movie musicals. And I think there's a important difference. What is the difference? Well, like for typical stage productions, you have an intermission in the middle, right? Which means that your show can typically be like a lot longer than a movie can be. And you have more space to put in extra songs and extra scenes. And I find that when musicals are adapted for the screen, there's a lot of important stuff that gets cut out. And it's often a detriment to the show itself. And because you're you're already an established uh, musical theater head, you've seen the stage version or are aware of it, and you know what's missing. And I you can stand seen... up in the theater, and you can point at the screen, and you can go, hey! <laughs> exactly. I've, I haven't seen the stage, like, live version of Matilda the Musical. I have seen Matilda the Musical slime tutorial on YouTube, which huh? is essentially, like when somebody filmed a bootleg version from the audience of like the Broadway show. So I've seen the live production, but it was like filmed on an iPhone. Slime. Why is it slime? 
so that they don't get copyrighted and taken it get it taken oh down. like they're tricking like the bots into not finding yes, it because they think exactly. it's about making slime that's awesome yes that is Nothing the dumbest to see here, governor. Just making slime. That's the dumbest form of piracy imaginable. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Not why, but like, how did you get started doing musical theater so young? Did you just want to? And it was just like, okay, let's go, let's go so, do that. Or when I was younger, I got a karaoke machine one year for Christmas, and my mom caught me singing a karaoke rendition of Evanescence. Uh, wake me up inside and she was like wow like you can sing let's put you in voice lessons and then from there I went to dance and then I was just doing shows so yeah I was in like Annie I've been in Legally Blonde I've done a lot of things in the musical theater world do you have any favorites like to watch or to do that you did um, well, I Legally Blonde was a lot of fun. Um, I would highly recommend Legally Blonde the musical. I think it's like way better than the movie. And uh, yeah, it was a really, really fun show to do. I would definitely do that one again. That's cool. So yeah, you were like destined for, uh, I was going to say theater kid status, but I know some people think that's derogatory. So I'm not going to go. I think it's go... derogatory, but I'll take it. It's yeah. not intentionally so. It's just it's just a descriptor in I'm this that, case. I'm that person in a Denny's singing show tunes. Somebody's like got to be. In the morning. A, yeah. A song and dance gal. If they're not doing it, how else do you know you're in a Denny's? Exactly. No, I'll take that for sure. Yep, that's me. That's why when I found out you guys were doing it, I was in the room and I was like, I need to be on this episode. You're no the authority. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You needed me today. Yeah, absolutely. It's the same as go. with the Inspector Gadget 2 episode. Mitchell's giving me a look. He's like, no. Of course he is. He's a big given a look guy. What does that mean? He loves giving looks. Yeah. You know what it means? I'm more about serving looks, but... is I don't know if that's 100% accurate. That really stings. <laughs> uh... While 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 you're getting that sorted out, how do you feel about musicals? Remind the people. Me, oh, I love musicals. Um, not all musicals are created equal, but I love watching musicals on the stage. I've only ever been in one. Um, but are you gonna tell us what it was? I've, I've danced on stage before for things, but but uh, only uh, only ever one when I was a young boy, and I was in the Music Man uh, as a part of a barbershop quartet. <laughs> that's all you were born for that and i could hit the highest note that was that was me in the quartet and we were singing about ice cream how can there be any sin insincere aren't we sincerely in love we have to do a musical episode just to tap in on all this talent that we've got just sitting here mm-hmm we should. I'd be down. We, but after the radio drama. Yeah, we got time. Uh, Liam, could you uh, also, for the people, remind us about your stance on musicals? 
Um, I'm not a big movie musical guy. I, I now that you've drawn the difference between uh, stage musicals and movie musicals, Abigail, I'm, I'm reminded that I really do like stage musicals. Um, it just it, it feels like a different thing to me seeing something live on stage. Like it, it almost immediately uh, that setting makes me feel more like fun and campy and. Um, and uh, willing to get down with with whatever's put in front of me. So I've seen I've seen the Legally Blonde musical and I loved it. I've seen like the Heather's musical and and um, that was sort of an opposite thing where I already loved the movie and so seeing it in in a musical form maybe I would have been set to be critical. But but I I loved the musical and I loved the songs and so I re- I really like stage musicals, movie musicals less so. I I. Um, I love music and I love movies and, and I certainly, I really love, uh, movie musicals where the, uh, the music is, is diegetic, you know, where it is actually happening in the world of the movie. It's sort of a cop out, but you know, stuff like, uh, hell school of rock, if you could call that or, or like sing street. I love that. Um, but in terms of a typical movie musical, I I kind of feel like a like a um, spoil sport. But I just never uh, it, it kind of immediately just takes me out of the movie and 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 makes me feel makes me feel annoyed, like um, because it 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 sucks realism out of the movie. And and I feel so stupid for saying that because like I know that movies aren't real. It makes me think of uh, there's this great comedy movie I love from a few years ago called They Came Together. And it's a parody of romantic comedy movies. And uh, the two main characters, they meet at a bookstore um, because Paul Rudd's character, he finds Amy Poehler in like the fiction section. He bumps into her in the fiction section of a bookstore and he's she goes like, oh, you like fiction? You like fiction books? And he goes, yeah, of course. And she's like, oh, my God, this is the dude for me. We both like fiction. And then later in the movie, when they've had their falling out, she goes on a date with a, with another dude. And she's like, uh, do you do you like fiction books? And he goes, fiction books? Why would I like that? It's not real. And I, I kind of feel like that when it comes to, to musicals. Like, I feel like an asshole for, for thinking that I don't like them because they're not real. Because I know that movies aren't real. But uh, a lot of times when when characters just break out into sing-song uh, in movies and it's like it's it's often very expository and uh, I just I have a hard time with it like even even the original Willy Wonka which is a movie I really like I've always thought that I would like it more if it isn't a musical and there are exceptions to the rule there are there are uh, movie musicals that I that I love like um, The Sound of Music uh, there's one I've mentioned on the podcast called, called Dr. Horrible Sing Along Blog I love that um but typically, I, I don't I don't seek out musicals. Um, but I do like Matilda, which is why I picked this. Nice. I, I see what you mean when you're saying that it kind of cuts the the realism. But on the other hand, I think that musicals can kind of enhance um, the qualities of fantasy in in um, film and in theater as well. Like, I think the Umbrellas of Cherbourg, which is one of my favorite musicals, wouldn't really be. Uh, the same if it weren't completely in song uh, i just can't imagine it. it wouldn't be have like the same sort of charm and and the same whimsical quality so i i, I agree with you but I, I think also that in the same breath that that having music in your film can do a lot for you know uh 
polishing that sort of fantasy that runs through a film. My next question, separate from the musical topic, because my uh, experience with musicals is well documented on this show. I didn't think I really even liked musicals that much, aside from a few holdouts until seeing several musicals on this very program that I like. And several and which you forgot were musicals i did uh which i guess it means i liked it because i think in my head i still have this weird thing where if somebody asks me about musicals my reflex is to say i don't like them like unilaterally um but that's not true i just don't like musicals that i don't like which i guess is g- kind of an obvious statement but like even mitch mentioning the umbrellas of Cherbourg, like i fucking love that movie so much and it's literally entirely sung but in my head, I have to like think for a full beat before I go, oh, yeah, obviously that's a musical. Um, and obviously Mamma Mia was re- revelatory. That changed my life forever. Um, but what I also want to ask about was Matilda. Um, like the the story, I guess. I don't think I've ever read it, but Roald Dahl, big book guy. Loves a good book, loves a good piece of fiction if you will. And I was curious where everybody was standing with Matilda as a story as well. Liam, you're saying you're a, you're a Matilda head. That was part of the the pick here. Yeah. Big Matilda head. I don't remember when I first saw it or even when I first read it, but I've done both of those things um, a lot. It was, it was my favorite Roald Dahl book when I was a kid. Um, I think it was just on TV a lot. So I would watch it. I just think it's such a, it's such an evocative story so relatable as a kid um uh it's you know it's about this girl who feels uh a bit ostracized but also um uh knows that she loves something and it's about her just gaining confidence and uh, and finding other people uh to relate to who are who are uh nice instead of mean um and it's got the cool telekinetic bent which reminded me of carrie which i liked um um and a great villain in Miss Trenchbowl. So it just the the story itself uh, is really sticks out to me, um, and is one that I would I would be down to have retold over and over. Um, and Roald Dahl writes a lot of stories like that. He's he's got a way like that. Uh, Willy Wonka. I would also be down to just see it get told over and over, because um, it, it's so clever and 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 cute. But also there's a lot of place for uh, for depth and color and and drama. Um, and the, the original movie, uh, I think by directed by Danny DeVito is so it's directed in such a a cool way. It just feels, um, it, it feels unlike most movies I, I can think of. It's, it's creepy, um, and, uh, and eerie, but also has so much heart to it. It kind of feels like a, an early Tim Burton movie in that way to me, um, and so I so I just love it. And and when I heard that they were putting this out, um, I I just figured it would it was an excuse to talk about Matilda on the podcast uh, while also um, applying to our format. In fact, I didn't even know that this was going to be an actual movie movie when I put it on. I thought this was literally just going to be the filmed stage play like Hamilton. Like I thought we were just going to see people on stage performing the musical. So I was very surprised and and intrigued when uh when this was an actual an actual movie movie um so yeah i was excited 
And uh, Mitch and Abby, are you guys Matilda heads of any particular uh, amount? All. Um, yeah, the the original movie rocks. I'm with Liam on that one. It's so good. Um, I read the book. I really was a big like Roald Dahl fan when I was a kid. Um, and Matilda was one of my favorites. And from the soundtrack and everything I've seen of the stage show, it's amazing. Um, so I was also like super, super excited to watch this. I had been like watching the behind the scenes and the rehearsals and seeing the kids at work like before it came out. Um, so I was pretty stoked about this. I'll jump in. I that's good. That's good. I've always <laughs> so growing up, my mom also read me uh, a bunch of Roald Dahl books. I can remember her reading the Twits and just being like viscerally d- disgusted by that. But also like all the other classics. BFG was another good one. James and the Giant Peach. I was a, a big, big fan fucking when, guy when I was a kid. Um, I think as I've grown older, my appraisal of Roald Dahl has kind of changed, especially learning more about his life. I mean, he was a proud anti-Semite, and I think it's worth mentioning that since uh, Netflix has acquired the rights to all of his works and they're putting it out, it's probably you know worth noting that the the mind that this all came from, though it brought us so much delight in our childhood, was probably was was not a good person. Um, so yeah uh, but but back to matilda i don't know if if she ever read me matilda when i was a kid and I, i've never sought it out as an as the book as an adult but i'm a big fan of the danny devito film and one of the things that i love the most about it is uh the subtlety and and the sensitivity i think that it's a sensitivity that it, i didn't even know danny devito was capable of um with how astute he is with sort of um like the fantasies and daydreamings of, of, of children and and uh, with how he blends those elements of fantasy in a really um, subtle and, and natural kind of way, in, in a way that doesn't step on the toes of the movie, and uh, but but still feels like authentic and organic. And, and so I, I'm a big fan of that movie, and it scared me when I was a kid. I was terrified of the trench bowl, especially during that final... Uh, uh, confrontation scene where she's throwing the hammers like through <laughs> through the school. It's a much more kind of grounded and, and real finale. So that that kind of scared me when I was a kid. Um, but I love the performance and especially Danny DeVito in that film. He's just so great with the fisheye shots of him chomping on a cigar, <laughs> being this horrible dad. Um, no, I I really love that movie. And growing up, I have fond memories of watching it. Um, I've never seen. Uh, a stage musical of it. This is the only uh, musical rendition I've seen, and I'm looking forward to talking about it. This is all very interesting to me. Um, not unlike my weird assessment of musicals, where I go, "Oh, I don't think I like those," until I remember that I do like them. Uh, I have spent like my whole life saying that I don't like Matilda, and. I've also spent years meaning to go back and watch it again removed from whatever initial experience or experiences I had of the movie because I don't remember it particularly well, but every time I think of it, the only images to seem to to come into my head are ones that make me uncomfortable 
or probably made me uncomfortable when I was a kid and just it's residual. Um, but even watching this musical here, it was reminding me of stuff about the Matilda story that I don't think I remembered was in it at all. I think I'm having that thing where somebody says they don't like a certain kind of food because they've never eaten it. Like that kind of thing. I've definitely seen the movie though. And I, I know as a kid, I think it freaked me out more than anything, but I've just sort of always figured that I was one of these people that did not like um, Matilda, but I don't know what that's actually based on at all. So I guess I have a kind of an inconclusive stance uh, when it comes to that, because really I kind of just have no idea what the deal with that is. There was a good stretch of years. I didn't even remember Danny DeVito was in it. Never mind that he made it. So that's the viewpoint I'm operating from. Damn. Who's Sounds Danny like... DeVito? <laughs> he is a, uh... he was the dad. He was the daddy. He, he is the daddy. He is just a was oh. and is. Dude, it would have been nice if he showed up in this movie. Um, yeah, maybe the trench bowl just traumatized you, Corey, and you were like, the, I don't like well, this movie. I don't actually, like that lady. The image I remember the most isn't specifically her. It's specifically the chocolate cake scene, which yeah. I know is, is many her, but it's not her. It's the image of the kid just yeah. caked up. Iconic. And, like he, that. and the way but, it's shot, too. Like, Mitch is totally up. right that the fish eye lens gets used in that movie and, like, uh, forced perspective is used. And, yeah, that's, that's a gnarly scene. It's it's a really grotesque movie with its, its, its visuals. I mean, like, you can almost, like, smell the images of, like, just, like, the trench bull, like, moving around with, like, beads of sweat in this, like, oh, yeah. gross-looking uh, u- uniform that's belted. And uh, just like the interior of their of their grimy house, it's a it's a really um, visceral movie. When I was a kid, I remember it really grossing me out. I think Roald Dahl's works are like that though, because his illustrations were always sort of um, scratchy and uh, and and rough around the edges and kind of grimy. And um, so, yeah, I think Danny DeVito did a really good job with that. Yeah. I think I think if you were to watch it now, Corey, I think you would you would really appreciate how how distinct of a kids movie it is. It uh, it it feels like a like an auteur movie or something. Like it is so it is so defined, um, and I think you would appreciate that. Yeah, I wonder if that's part of why Baby as a Kid I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, was those exact qualities? I will say, um, the Tim Burton early Tim Burton comparison is interesting because I'm also not particularly a Tim Burton guy. So I hear that comparison and I go, hmm, interesting. I don't know if that sells me any more on it. <laughs> but uh, I have been meaning to get back to it just because I do feel like it's one of those sort of relics that just by virtue of time passing, I don't feel like I'm ever giving a fair shake if somebody asked me about it because I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know, man. Yeah, because I guess at this point, you know, if you like saw it when you were seven years old and made up your mind, but now you don't remember anything about it, it's almost like you haven't seen the movie and a seven-year-old told you that it's a bad movie, and so you've lived your life being <laughs> like, that seven-year-old told me it was bad, so yeah, that's a bad movie. It's definitely kind of like that. I also don't know if like reading the book would make a difference at all. I don't, I don't have any memory of doing that, so I'm liable to assume that I did not do that. 
but maybe I did. I don't know. It it might make it a bit less creepy if you've read the book and you're prepared, but I don't I don't think either is necessary to enjoy the other. I think they're they're both pretty um they they both stand on their own. I probably I probably even though it's my favorite Roald Dahl book, I might even like the movie more than the book, honestly. Damn. Eat your heart out, BFG. You big fucking galoof. <laughs> I don't think I could handle a film adaptation of the Twits if it exists. That the, the Twits, just gr- yeah, the Twits. Oh, dude, I think about their their fucking beards with crumbs in them. Yeah, often. those images are just so vile. When I was a kid, just the, this filthy couple. But I I don't even remember what it's about. It's just they're just like nasty and and, and unkempt. And I, I think they just play cruel jokes on each other the whole time. And I'm I'm looking at the images now, and my skin's crawling. But at the same time, I think that they also kind of resemble like so many modern millennial couples, like the guy with like this big dirty beard. I don't know. I think I'm looking at them and I just I just see, you know, like the the stinky indie scene. <laughs> the stinky indie scene. That should be the direction they take with the movie. It uh yeah. it says on the Wikipedia page that an animated television series for Netflix was now turned into a feature film with spirit untamed director set to replace a guy as so i guess i guess the horse movie yeah so i guess it's gonna i love that movie i'm super down how do you feel about spirit untamed we'll have Uh, to do it on the podcast i don't know i didn't know that it exists in fact if since it does exist we should get devin and Paige on because they love that movie we were kids we all did yeah these dudes look fucked up by the way yeah, terrifying. But do you see what I'm going for? Like the the stinky Vaguely, indie scene. Like, I don't think we actually know many people that look like that. But... I don't. I don't. But <laughs> I see them at music festivals. Sure. Um, chill out. Rolled, freaking the kids out. So uh, there's a segue in here somewhere. I bet. Uh, into talking about Matilda the musical. I guess that's as good a one as any. Just sort of saying it. <laughs> sort of saying the thing that you're going to talk about um so this musical is an adaptation of a musical that is from 2011 and a lot of the um core like crew stuff is kind of carried over so you've got in the writing chairs you've got dennis kelly and tim minchin and so uh, there was a book by Dennis Kelly for that original Matilda musical and the music and lyrics were by Tim Minchin and the background music guy, uh, Christopher Nightingale also brought back. So they just sort of grabbed a bunch of people who were involved in the musical initially and were like, Hey, we're doing a movie. You're all in. So the one outlier in the director's chair would be Matthew Workus who uh, has done a lot of adapting theater to movies or just shooting theater. Um, Something called Our House, a musical love story, Old Vic in Camera, A Christmas Carol, uh, and a movie called Pride, which is going to come up a few times. As mentioned, we've got screenplay by Dennis Kelly, who wrote the book of the musical, and also Tim Minchin, also involved in that. Uh, he is perhaps most famous for uh, Peter Rabbit 2, The Runaway, 
probably that. Definitely not his long-running comedy career or anything. Probably just Peter Rabbit, too. Or playing Judas in Jesus Christ Superstar Live, or, or rather, Jesus Christ Superstar Live Arena Tour. Tim mentioned slayed this soundtrack. I just want to say that. his he did, he The music he wild. did for this is incredible. Yeah. He's got bars. Let's just say Tim Minchin's got bars. He's got at least three bars. His reception is incredible. Um, the editing is by Melanie Oliver, who, again, they went with experience. Uh, she edited Les Mis, um, and also Liam, cover, cover your ears. Uh, she edited Cats. Both of mm. the shittiest movie musicals I've ever seen. What about what about the biopic of uh, Judy Garland <laughs> with Renee Zellweger? I have not seen that, but I know for a fact that I do not want to watch that <laughs> at all. Also, the Danish Girl and that Pride movie I mentioned, and also Jane Eyre. So there's maybe some okay stuff in there, but Abby is not impressed. And granted, neither is Liam probably, just purely on the basis of cats. No, no, and I'm I'm vindicated to hear that Abigail feels the same way, even being a, a, a musical fan. Um, and uh, we can talk about the editing later. I, I do have some thoughts. Interesting. Um, the cinematography is by Tat Radcliffe. Also worked on Pride and also worked on one of the movies with the funniest titles of all time, White Boy Rick, which is one of my favorite movie titles ever. Uh, Extremely funny. Uh, And also Queen and Slim. As mentioned, the songs are also by Tim Minchin. Uh, The original score is by Christopher Nightingale, who has done a lot of additional composing work, including Creed, The Nice Guys, Doctor Strange, Spider-Man Homecoming, Logan Lucky, and Black Panther. So he's very busy. Uh... I added a few credits that we don't normally get to because they felt like kind of exceptional inclusions given the the kind of movie that we were watching. I just realized I made a spot for one of those and it's one of the only ones that I did not write down and I need to go find it, which is driving me nuts. Okay, so uh, we've got the choreographer for the movie, which we don't normally need. Um, is Ellen Kane. And it is it does seem interesting to me that what Ellen Kane was able to do was put together choreography that went viral on Twitter before the movie came out. Because it's insane. Because it's insane. It's so good. Because the Red Beret girl clip that went viral on Twitter is fucking incredible. And there were kids doing backflips and shit. It's fucking insane. Oh my god. I can't wait to talk about Red Beret girl. <laughs> um, And then we've also... I added a few other credits just because it seemed like they were leaning very hard into these two things. So the production design credits are David Hindle and Christian Hubbard. And the art direction credits are Meg Jones, Celestria Kimmins, Samuel Leake, and Alice Sutton. All of those decisions that they end up making in this movie feel very intentional, so shout out to them. Uh, In the cast, as Matilda, we've got Alicia Weir, who doesn't have many credits yet on account of being a child. (laughs) So... Not a lot to report there. We've got uh, Lashana Lynch playing Miss Honey, who uh, is in 
No Time to Die, the James Bond movie, and also Captain Marvel and uh, The Woman King. Emma Thompson plays Miss Trunchbull, uh, including the hit film uh, Nanny McPhee and Johnny English Strikes Again, at least one of which we could do on this show. Then for some actual suggestions, Love Actually, Sense and Sensibility. Stephen Graham plays uh, Matilda's dad. Uh, he is in uh, the two of the biggest movies of the last couple of years, The Irishman and Venom, Let There Be Carnage. The big two. I, I loved him in The Boardwalk Empire. He plays Al Capone. Yeah. He's uh, he's also in a movie from 2006 called This Is England that I love. And it, oh, has, yeah. it has some like sequel miniseries. I've wanted to do them on the podcast, but I haven't been able to figure out a way to do them because... Uh, you know, it would be an extra amount of watching. But you seen that movie, Mitch? Yes, I have. Oh, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I watched it in a British film uh, class that I took in school. Um, nice. Or I sought it out on my own afterwards. But no, he's a wonderful actor. His performance in The Irishman, I mean, cannot be overstated. The, that one scene where he wears shorts to a meeting. Incredible. People were mad about his shorts. Uh and then in one of the most powerful cinematic couples of all time, Andrea Riceborough plays Mrs. Wormwood. Uh, she's in uh, Mandy and Possessor and Oblivion and Birdman, if you like one-word titles, and also Nocturnal Animals. That's a great movie. That is a cool movie, I think. I remember it being cool anyway. <laughs> Dang, the reverse Matilda. I saw it. I, the Ratilda. I, the Ratilda. So true. Matilda's in retrograde. Um, the rat Ilda. Okay. Uh, Sindhu V plays Mrs. Phelps. Uh, she's in sex education. Uh, Lauren Alexandra plays the acrobat. She has an uncredited dancing credit in uh, Death on the Nile. Did not see, but we should watch that on the pod. Get on our murder mystery vibes. Yeah, we haven't done that recently. <laughs> we need to do more. <laughs> Uh, Carl Spencer plays Magnus, the escapologist. He was in Rocket Man. And then we've got a few things here. We've got Catherine Kingsley as uh, the acrobat's stepsister and young Agatha Trunchbull. And then we've got... So I, I Look, I only listed some of the kids. The cast list is so fucking long. Dude, there are so many people in this goddamn movie. Um, I would encourage you to go look at the IMDb. There's a bunch of very talented people who are about to probably have very long careers in here. Uh, but shout out to Charlie Hodson Pryor as Bruce. Uh, Ray Yamauchi Falker as Lavender. Uh, Misha Garbit as Hortensia, who uh, was also in Cats and also Fast and the Furious Hobbs and Shaw. Oh, damn. <laughs> is that a musical? Uh, it could be. Is that the is that the girl who wears the red beret? I don't know because I they never yeah. call anybody yes, it Hortensia. It is. It's yeah. red beret girl. Yeah, she's okay. the collaborationist. In the end, when she's she's just running out with all of them. No, she was a collaborator. No, she wasn't. I don't what think that's true. About? I don't think that's true. That's or she right. straight that's up true. was not. No, she wasn't. She was trying to warn everybody about the trench bowl. Nah, she nah. was just one of the. I wasn't collaborating. Kids. She was. She was ratting kids out. No, she no. was. She was too, dude. What movie did you watch, bro? <laughs> I watched it with Eric last night, and we both thought she was a collaborationist. You're both you guys wrong. Are wrong. That's not correct. Well, Winter hmm. Jarrett Glasspool plays Amanda. 
don't know who that is. I'm sorry. Um, and then you got Matt Henry as Doctor, in particular the Doctor from the beginning of the movie. He's got bars. He's got bars, dude. Um, so the story of Matilda is one where a girl has terrible, horrible, misgendering parents uh, who didn't want a baby and just sort of appeared to have inexplicably had a baby as if sex weren't even involved, as if a baby just kind of appeared one day and they were the angriest people that have ever lived. And so she's just got a bad home life, never got sent to school or nothing, just reads a lot of books, very smart, very uh, adept. And then uh, the school people come to their house one day and are like, hey, you should be in school. Um, so she goes to school and in this absolute nightmare prison of a school is confronted with uh, Miss Trunchbull, who's just a, a nightmare of a human being. Won who, the hammer in 59. Uh, who sort of rules the school with an iron fist, uh, but is also introduced to Miss Honey, who is like the kind, sweet, generous, thoughtful teacher. And they develop a bond. And then uh, Matilda, uh, not least of which thanks to uh, telekinetic powers spawned by hating your dad? Being smart as shit, I think. Being smart as shit and hating your dad. Um, let's just say it was both. We can't be sure. Um, helps, like, overthrow the cruel regime of Miss Trunchbull and learn some, like, confidence in standing up for herself and carving out what she wants in her life and not just having shitty parents all the time. I think, I think that's the moral of the story is you don't need to have shitty parents. I think you don't need to, you don't need to, you can, if you, you, can, want. If you want, I think the moral of the story is that sometimes <laughs> after revolutions, there's a brief period of anarchy and it's in that period that the state or, you know, an institution can fall into complete disarray. You need to have strong leaders after a revolution. Incorruptible Why do you say that like, like a threat? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, it, it just happens. What are yeah, you planning? This is a revolutionary... F- oh, I'm not telling you. You were about to. What changed? Well, I don't, you can't just... You got to keep revolutions under your hat, you know? You can't just go around saying, the streets will run red. I'm throwing a revolution. Because then they throw you in the brink. The hills are alive with the sound of... They throw you in Chokey. He can't say anything because he's going to go to Chokey if he spills the beans. No, not Chokey. Man, You're cho- going to Chokey. Chokey's kind of uh, kind of wild, huh? Looks like an outhouse. Yeah, but what if you died in one? It is- Isn't it like supposed to be like an Iron Maiden or whatever that was called? Like it's a medieval like torture instrument. They right? do resemble it, but I know that like in English boarding schools and in schools in America or sort of like uh, places where they sent bad kids to reform in the 19th century and the 20th century, they did have things like this that they would actually just throw kids in. Um, yeah, so I think that worked. It's not exactly a, a device of fiction. That's too bad because it means that those two people can't talk about it while they meet in the fiction section. Fictional the device of fiction writing. Yeah, that's poor <laughs> phrasing anyway. Um Okay, it's time, people. Uh who do we want to go first? Uh let's do Liam, because he picked it. So seems fair to see. 
what uh, what your take was on the Matilda the musical, Roald Dahl's Matilda the musical. Pardon me. I uh, it was cool to see the Roald Dahl production logo at the beginning of this. Like it was a like it was a Marvel movie or something. That really confused me. I was like, what? What is this? Like like a Wonka bar just appears, and yeah. I was like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, I didn't know that that was a thing. I guess maybe this is the first of it being a thing. The uh, MCU is the Matilda Cinematic Universe. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down for it, though. I'm down. And she can totally be a superhero. I want to see her link up with Charlie and his chocolate factory, take over the world. Um, I went on a, I went on a bit of a ride with this movie. Right when it opened, I, I really... Well, first, I was surprised that it was a movie movie. I thought I was just going to see people on stage. So it opens with this musical number and it's so stylized and really bright colors and intricate choreography and and the the lyrics of the songs are like um these parents uh british parents i didn't know that the movie would be british either unrelentingly british so if you british cuz the uh you know obviously it's a british story but the original movie is not british i kind of I felt like it was British when I was a kid, even though I didn't know what British meant. Like it, it Mara Wilson's just got big British vibes. I want to steal the doll. <laughs> and so, yeah, is it? It felt British, but I was still taken aback by this being so British. Thick accents and and um, uh, it has British slang in it. Yeah, it and, premiered uh, at the BFI London Film Festival. It couldn't get more British if you fucking tried. There you go, the yeah. like stage show also originated in London's West End. Dang. So that's probably why. Yeah. Was it at the old Vic? Was it? I don't know. I don't know. We talked about the old Vic very briefly. It was mentioned. I don't know. Every time I think of British stage acting, I just think of like all the interviews I've seen where they're all like, the old Vic. That's where I got me ropes. (laughs) (laughs) I got me ropes. (laughs) That's where I earned me stripes in the old Vic. So true. Um, anyway. People don't sound like that. They do. Um, yeah, so I was caught off guard with the movie, and I really liked the lyrics at the beginning about all these parents who like just thought that their kids were amazing. I, I thought it was a great introduction to the movie that the songs were going to be quirky, and they were going to be saying jokes in the songs, and uh, you know things that, that would normally be a dialogue joke but they're just gonna pack it all into one so there were just so many jokes right at the beginning in this song and i and i quite liked it and then um the next scene we get to matilda in our house and i thought that the house kind of felt like a like a movie set um you know, at the at the beginning, you know, they're not shooting for realism with that with that opening scene, and I liked how stylized it was, um, and I liked that I was it was an actual movie. Um, and then we got to Matilda's house, and it it felt a bit uh, it felt a bit less um, like it had a vision to me, and um, and then some songs were happening, and uh, like that first song about that Matilda sings about how. Uh, um, she sometimes you just got to be a bit naughty and uh, you got to, you know, stand up to your parents and stuff. I felt like that was happening too early, early than I expected it to. I thought that she was already she was already so strong and it was kind of it was kind of taking me off guard. And I was thinking, man, in this musical is uh, are things just going to be like told to me? And it, it's kind of it's speed running some stuff that I remember from the original movie, like her playing pranks on her dad. And I feel like I'm here so fast. And so uh, 
so I wasn't so sure how I felt about it. But I got to tell you, by the time we get to Miss Trenchbull's song, I had become used to the the delivery system that is this musical, that this is just how things are going to be communicated. I had become used to the Matilda actress, and I thought she was really she was really cute and clever and kind of reminded me of a young Hermione Um and uh, by the time the movie ended, I, I was totally in love with it. I, I think this is a, an awesome movie, an awesome musical. I think it's an awesome retelling of the Matilda story. Um, I think it, uh, it, it separates itself totally from that original movie, but it is, it is also telling the story of the book. And so you get a lot of similar scenes, but it doesn't feel like a retread at all. I think, uh, I think kids will love this movie, whether they like musicals or not. I think the it's so clever and also has a whole lot of a lot of heart and um, a lot of depth, and actually it says a lot about like uh, uh, childhood and and um, I think it, it it really gets to the heart of the story. Um, so I I really like this. I thought it was really fun and funny. My basically my only critique is that I just wish that. Uh, the songs um, were a bit more like earwormy. I wish they stuck with me a bit more. Some of them do. Um, uh, some of them really do stand out. But in general, um, the songs worked for me in the moment. But but not many of them really stuck out as uh, as being immediate hits to me. Um, oftentimes, the melody would go in a place that that uh, I wasn't expecting, and it kind of it would repeatedly resolve in a way that I thought wasn't actually uh, very musical to my ear. Like it was more like a, it was more like poetry, like sung poetry where the rhymes were um, sometimes like in the, in the middle of sentences and stuff. And, and it sounded nice, but I didn't, I, I, it didn't make me think I need to hear that song again uh right right after it was done and there were a few that made me feel that way but but across the board i didn't feel that way um that being said music is something that uh grows on me you know way more than movies do i I can watch a movie one or two times and be pretty sure about how i feel about it but music often takes longer and, and lord knows that there are albums i've listened to um many times and they've never they've never clicked and i couldn't really hear the hooks and i couldn't hear what they were going for um parts would just pass me by and then and then later on they they uh they really click and they become awesome and and so i wouldn't be surprised if that happens um after just seeing this the one time and and i do want to see it again because i thought it was really really heckin great and i also like that the the telekinesis was such a was such a slow burn like that showed up way later than i expected and i thought it felt so earned and we can get all into all that specific stuff but yeah i thought this i thought this was great this was delightful nice and then let's throw it over to our um musical experts uh hey mitch mitch and abigail um I mean, individual. You don't have to answer as a unit. You can answer individually. But uh, what did you guys? You guys think? have to. You guys have to sing your opinions in call and response form, like Miss Honey and Matilda. <laughs> I hated it. Oh yeah, no, I didn't actually. I let Abigail take the floor. Wow, that run. Okay. Um. At first, I thought I was gonna say that I thought it was just meh, but I do think I like it. Um, I think 
like my first impression of the opening number, I loved it. It totally made sense to me the way that they chose to um, portray that that number in the movie. It's super different from the stage production, but I think what they did with the bright colors and like the babies at the beginning, it really, really worked. Um, and the doctor, I mean, sleigh. That was a full sleigh. Dude went bananas. He, he went, went absolutely off. wild. Yeah, he was amazing. Um, and yeah, like, I mean, I kind of felt the same way as Liam um, about Matilda's, I call it her, like, I want song because she's talking about, you know, what she wants out of life and whatever. And um, that kind of fell flat for me, but I was sort of expecting it to. Um, it's not my favorite song in the show. Um, but overall, like I think Emma Thompson did such an amazing job as the Trunchbull and all the kids are so talented. It's unbelievable how much talent they hold in their tiny little bodies. Um, and the whole time I was watching it, I just thought like, this really makes so much sense. Like you can tell it's, it's a kid's movie. The music was written to be enjoyed by children and adults, but there's just something so quirky and cute and fun about it. Um, and I think overall, like everyone who worked on it did a really, really great job. Um, and I mean, how can you not have fun at the end with revolting children? I seriously think that's one of the best like numbers in musical theater. It's so much fun and all the kids are dancing around and having a great time and doing such an amazing job. So, um, at first I didn't think that it lived up to my expectations but I think just looking at it as like a movie in itself and not comparing it to the stage production all the time um I think what they did with it was really good and I think they stayed true to the stage show as much as they could while still um using kind of like the film format cool I agree that revolting children that 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 song was huge and that was the one that really really stuck out to me yeah that's a all all good points around i'm i'm gonna i think dissent slightly um there's a lot of things in this movie that uh don't work with me and admittedly i'm probably not the the target demographic um i think that the performances throughout this film are all uh very strong the kids are all super impressive I think Emma Thompson as Miss Trunchbull is is uh, extraordinary. Um, a really good performance. I think that the supporting cast is great. Uh, Miss Phelps, uh, Sindhu V, uh, incredible uh, performance from her. She's so charismatic and fun. Um, my biggest gripe, I think, um, uh, I like the the design of the film for the most part. Um, Actually, I won't. I won't go get to that part quite yet. My biggest gripe, I think, is is how sort of uh, cumbersome the film feels in some ways. I think it's entirely too long. Two hours is a lot, and I think there's some uh, musical set pieces in here that could be cut entirely. You guys were talking about that um, opening set piece where she's sort of singing about all the things that she wants with the seagull on the roof, and um, and then like twenty minutes later, they do a reprise with the pretty much the exact same song and nothing has really changed with the reprise again there's there's elements about it that that feel superfluous i think the when i grow up sequence could be removed completely and i think that 
that's for a number of reasons. When I talk about why I like the original Matilda movie, I was talking about the subtlety of, of, of the blending of, of the elements of fantasy into the film and because it's in service of something. Um, but I think the elements of fantasy in, in this film are cumbersome and to the point where they kind of just bloat the movie um, to a degree that I don't necessarily like. And I don't always like the way that it intercuts from like fantasy to dreary, especially cosmetically. When you look at the way that the film is, is color graded, for example, there's lots of scenes where it's evidently just shot in like a sunny day. Like for example, the phys ed scene. And then they've just put this sort of grime filter on that looks terrible. And I think a lot of the CG and the fantasy, fantasy sequence is kind of weak, especially in that when I grew up sequence, like I would cut that out uh, entirely. Um, but I find that the film, um, kind of buckles over the fact of over its overt um elements of, of fantasy it, it's 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 a bit um too much for me i think that like i love uh the wormwood performances liam you were talking about i'm, I'm kind of rambling and going <laughs> scattershot here but you were talking about the this were you talking about the interior design of the of the parents house and uh, with like the the design decisions of the of the musical you were saying it didn't quite resonate with you yeah like the uh at least when we first got to the house inside okay. the living room but but i really liked the attic and i liked mm. i liked the parents bedroom once we saw okay. that stuff i i love the way that, that their home is designed and that, that sort of sense of space and the wallpaper it's so good so gaudy um and at times like the wallpaper up to the staircase resembles fish scales and so i think the design all there is is really quite strong um but for me it, the whole film feels needlessly elongated and uh it, it trips over its own sort of um fantasy in a way that i i don't agree with but all in all i'd say it's like a very watchable film it's very uh, i enjoyed myself through it um i don't think i would seek it out again it's probably like a three out of five stars for me um but i think that like there are some really wonderful things and wonderful performances and we can kind of unpack those later Corey, yeah what's up do you still have the same opinion you don't like matilda oh right yeah that's what we're talking about um that was a that was a funny joke <laughs> those for all the comedy heads out there um no i do i do like matilda i like matilda a lot actually um i think i probably agree with a handful of the 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 critiques the negative critiques we've had up to this point um i think yeah maybe one or two songs could probably maybe be shortened or go um and some of it does look a little odd, but I think uh, part and parcel with that, a lot of it does look kind of interesting and weird. And they do they do an interesting job of trying to separate like what looks fantastical because it is being imagined versus what looks fantastical, um, just because the world is strange versus what's just there. Uh, I think there's interesting ways of like having degrees to that. Like, I feel like um, the the imaginary sections themselves, like with the escapologist and the acrobat and things things like that, it's very very soft looking. And I think that um, some of the more fantastical real life stuff carries over the color grading decisions without being as soft. And then you have some stuff that is just sort of 
I guess what I would describe as standard for the sake of what the movie is doing. But like overall, it's like I had a really good time. Uh, songs are fun. Uh, this is a wildly talented group of children. Holy moly. They're just going absolutely wild this entire time. Um, and all the supporting roles like around the the kids, I think, is great. Because, you know, as great as the, the adult performances are, I think you're here because of what the kids are going through. But um, the parents are absolutely fucking ridiculous. Um, Emma Thompson's... Uh, quite good um lashana lynch i think is great i don't particularly remember what what miss honey is like in the other movie but i think she does a great job without being too um i don't know what word i want too like saccharine about it but just being very kind of compassionate and present and like kind and available uh as as a figure for the these kids that are basically in hell jail uh i think that she's a very sweet presence here um it's bright it's fun it's loud it's got good songs i agree with liam that i don't remember how most of these songs went and i watched this about 24 hours ago uh i remember a couple but that's it's about it which you know isn't necessarily a knock to the quality of the musical to be like not not all music has to be built entirely around like replayability or memorization possibilities. Um, in much the same way that I commend this movie for being a musical with dancing directed at children that doesn't really have a single TikTok dance in it. Uh, cause you could have tried cause the movie was already going viral before it even came out. So if you wanted to get a TikTok dance in there, you probably could have, and they did not do that. So can you imagine these kids like hitting the whoa like <laughs> mid song? Matilda's hit, gonna hit the gritty. <laughs> like... Addison Ray is showing up. <laughs> there's That'd a version. Awesome. There's a version of this though where that's just what they do. Addison Ray is Miss Honey <laughs> in this movie or something. Um, but no, I uh. Yeah, I think it's I think it's really good. I totally get why people would love this. I really enjoyed it. Uh I'd probably watch it again. I'd probably be down. Um still didn't enjoy the cake eating. That was still deeply unpleasant um for that child and for me. Um But yeah, that's about that's about like my overall assessment is is big old good time. It's yeah. big old good time. <laughs> We we were talking about kind of like the how we don't necessarily remember the music. Like I don't remember it, and I saw it twenty four hours ago as well. Um, I what I do remember is is the visuals because they are like a lot of the the dance and the choreography is extremely elaborate and um, almost like reminiscent of like Busby Berkeley or something when they're all dancing in like sparkling suits and the tables are moving around and it's a high angle. It's it's uh really uh incredible visually but my question is and Corey, you might not be able to answer this one but do you think rude that, that, that this film has the same sort of staying power like like the original is seared into my mind um because of like the the cosmetics and and, and, and the visceral kind of quality of it, like the drinking of the newt scene or the the pigtail throwing scene or um the cake scene uh particularly all, all of this stuff is kind of seared into into my mind, and and I think it'll live there rent free forever. And I'm not sure if this film will. 
I think I'll, I might like, I'll probably remember it, but I don't think it, it's, I think it, it feels to me less memorable. You also watched it at an entirely different point in your life. It's true. I, I watched it at a formative time where, where those Mitch is also famously not currently a child. I'm not what? Currently a child. Well, I appreciate that. That's the nicest thing anyone's ever said to me. Well, currently, let's not get carried away. He's but... a grown man. He's a he's a growing boy. <laughs> yeah, so that could just be like the, the bias of memory. Um, but what what do you guys think? How how's this one going to go down uh, in history compared to the sequel or the original? That's a crazy place to start the conversation, but I appreciate the gusto. It is. I- I think I think it'll stick. I really do. I think it'll it'll stick in a different way. You know, I think I think a kid could watch both the original and and this one, and I think I think they would remember both. Um, they're just as likely to remember both, but I think they're gonna. It's gonna bring about different feelings in them. I think the tone of this one is is a lot brighter um, in its look, uh, but I I still think it really does have the same. Uh, same memorable qualities maybe just because of the kind of story it is like the the characters that are written i think miss trenchbull is so memorable and i think the performance here is is really just as just as good and just as scary as as that original great performance in the other one and i think um you know the way she forces bruce to eat the cake and the way that they they show it with the forced perspective and the cake looks massive while they're singing this song i think i think it it really does stick and i think um i think some of the songs will 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 really stick with a kid i mean some of them struck me for sure i i really loved the song where they were uh um going through the abcs as it went on the song didn't have a yeah. chorus it just it just hit <laughs> it just hit the way that all these letters sound and they were shown visually on screen yeah. i think i think that'll stick with a kid um and i think some of the 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 uh i guess remade moments from from that original movie that they do again here like the pigtail scene I think I might have liked this pigtail scene more than the one in the original. This pigtail scene had me guffawing the way she chucks the kid. <laughs> and then you see just like a, it must be a dummy or something flying <laughs> through the air. And then you see it just like plummet to the ground in the distance. I, um, and the fact that, you know, this kid before it happens is, is just so brilliant. So bro, this I, had I, me chortling, dude. <laughs> I, I think, I think it will stick. I think it, it brings about, uh different different emotions and i think that you know a kid very well might prefer one to the other because because they do feel so different but i think uh i think this movie does take big swings in in the way that it's constructed and and it it is hyper stylized and so i think it'll stick with kids what about you abigail what do you think um yeah i i think it'll stick um i mean i think like I don't want to keep bringing it back to the stage show, but I think like, because like that was a wildly popular musical. And I think it already has demonstrated that, you know, that musical first premiered in 2011. It's there's making a movie of it in 2022. Like, so I think like the, the story's there and the music is there. Um, and I think, yeah, just how over the top this movie was without being as like gruesome and scary as the original movie i think maybe makes it a little bit more accessible and i think it really knows how to keep your attention 
Um, so, you know, for the TikTok generation, these kids today, I feel like they'll... <laughs> <laughs> it's two hours. It's two hours long. I don't know. To, too long. There are to people making longer YouTube long. video essays than that. Yeah, yeah. kids are going to be fine. I, th- I thought it was paced really nicely. And I also, you're like, you know, kids are getting attached to super long TV series. I, I don't think two hours is too long for, for a kid. Um, what's the runtime of the original, I wonder? It's an 14 hour, it's hours. It's a buck 30. A buck 42. That's only, that's like 10 minutes shorter than this one because this one had 10 minutes of credits. I guess well, it's also the show is two credits. and a half hours. And Dude. yeah, so. I, and that's crazy to me because they didn't even cut that much out of the like the stage production, which usually they make like drastic cuts. So I was impressed, honestly. That is impressive, and I think I think uh, poor Corey, you needed this movie when you were a kid, Corey. It might have it might have uh, gotten you into Matilda, and you could be more down with it. But you just got pushed into the deep end with Danny DeVito's sick mind and Danny DeVito, the twisted mind of Danny DeVito. I'm glad we we now have the two movies where where a parent can like assess their kid at you know six years of age and be like, all right, how does this kid handle certain things? Do I need to show them the Danny DeVito one or the musical? If your kid's hardcore enough, they get the Danny DeVito one. You were born 20 years too early, Corey, and you got or traumatized just as like a soft baby child and not like a like a cool like a like Danny a cool, DeVito as a soft baby child. <laughs> I want to like, just cartoon. coddle him and and swaddle him in cloth and just <laughs> oh like kiss his little forehead. That's just like that's whisper not the I lines of at. Always Sunny in his ear and Coochie Coochie Coo. It's the, the garbage trash man. man. Oh, there we go. Trash man. Yes, I would love to see a baby Devito cartoon. I'm gonna go like see if I can find a, a picture of him as a baby. Just Danny Devito. Um, they should cast the movie that's just the one human is Danny Devito and the rest is Muppets. They should do another version of the movie Boyhood, where they just follow <laughs> Danny DeVito growing up. Growing up? He's like 70. He still has time left. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at a baby photo of him from 1947. He looks exactly the same. <laughs> What's that He mean? looks like a who from The Grinch. A whomst? Um... Uh, how do, I don't know how to segue from Danny DeVito back to the thing we're supposed to be talking about again. I'm in a bit of a predicament vis-a-vis segwayability. Mitch, all your talk is segways last week. You're really leaving me out to try here. Yeah, well, serves you right. I teed them up for you and then you stomped on them. You could have hit a beautiful dinger right into the fairway, but instead yeah, you stomped on them and put them in the bag. That's all right, Corey. We don't need segues or else we'll have a, a two hour long podcast and kids won't like it. Um, I want to I'll, I'll ask about uh, what else might you guys have cut if you think the movie was too long or if you think the movie was a good length? What is some stuff you appreciated? Because I I thought I was a bit worried about the runtime when I saw it. I thought, man, this is kind of long for a kid's movie. And I thought it, I thought actually thought it really earned it. I thought the addition of um, Matilda being a writer and telling this story to Miss Phelps um, was, was so cool. I think that's something that a kid uh, will latch on to. And I absolutely loved the way that the story evolved as the movie went on and she was channeling 
things from her own life into it and she was she was like channeling her pain into this story the stuff that was happening with Trenchbull and really freaking her out and uh um i loved watching that story change and i thought it was so beautiful and sad um and unique and and i i would have uh i would have felt the movie um was less memorable without it yeah i think the storytelling sequence is great and also i appreciate what like the role that mrs phelps has in it to try to ground it a little bit more and be like oh i love it when a story's got a happy ending matilda's just like bitch it don't and she's just like oh no like hey do you want to talk about it are you okay and then you know not dissuading matilda from like getting it out via art but just being like whoo Y'all right? Everything cool? <laughs> Everybody okay over there? Um, jokes aside, like I did appreciate like the way that that is set up, not just as an excuse to like get some more insight into what she is feeling, but also like having like that that focus on the the people that are around her that are adults that aren't also awful because her parents are obviously like cartoonishly awful, but she does have like between that and Miss Honey like two notably kind figures around and that influence playing out is nice yeah i'm glad you brought that up liam that was like one of my favorite additions that uh, this movie did that the other one didn't and i also think it's like it was a really fun way to like introduce you know miss trunchbull being miss honey's step aunt and unraveling that whole like family drama um i think like that kind of like slow burn where you didn't know and then it kind of comes to light near the end um was really effective and i i thought that the storytelling was also a really fun way to add you know a little bit more fantasy and a little bit more like surrealism um to the musical in like a very fun cool way and i love how she says escapologist yeah, I I'd never even heard that word before. Um, in I don't think accent. it's a real word. I, I think it might. No, be. it, it, it definitely is. Hold on, hold the phone. Give me a moment. I'm pretty sure they build Houdini as an escapologist. I would, I or an know, escape artist, in the very least. I've only ever heard escape artist. Although it does appear that escapologist is a word. Matilda's uh, more well read than than all of us. Yeah, that's not a big surprise. She'd be out here reading like eight thousand pages of books a week she learned it from cat in the hat it's true how do you feel about the insertion of fantasy into scenes of action um because i again i i'm also kind of for the most part uh fond of, of what you guys were saying with with sort of how um you know her her literary sort of fantasy uh, ties in with the story and I do like those uh, escapologist sequences I think they're uh, stylistically a good departure from from the rest of the film and that like Corey was saying that they're visually soft but the angles are are, um, are quite sharp and so they, they feel and look different and they have this kind of old-timey charm especially the sharp angles like of uh, uh, Miss Trunchbull up in the in the um, I guess the tech booth or whatever you want to call it um, and uh, so I, I like all that, but my issue with the fantasy is when it is when um, it kind of cuts away from the immediate action of the film, 
and kind of and and goes to that and kind of blurs the lines. I feel like there's there's a lot of that 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 feels a bit um, cumbersome, like kind of um, threads that could be cut away. I think, uh, for example, the the sequence where um, during sort of the the I guess it's the confrontation scene uh, with like the the phys ed stuff and Miss Trenchbull is like doing that thing with the the uh the tire swing and the horse and then matilda dream she's up in a balloon and it, it i think stuff like that occurs throughout the movie and it completely takes you out of the immediate action and far away to somewhere else and it doesn't work for me i think the balloon thing is fine but i do want to co-sign that i I guess I didn't fully understand, not understand. I'm like, I, I get it. Cause she's thinking about like, Hey, it'd be great if no kids existed. I would feel joy and horses and all that. But I did feel like that particular, uh, digression from the, the action at hand was, was bizarre because, uh, it was weird that Trunchbull is being afforded it, I guess. Whereas like Matilda's already had a few of those. So I'm like, yeah, she gets to go up and be in a balloon. It's cool. Whatever. I'm down. But uh, I did think that one particular example was weird. The rest of it, I think, is cool. The rest of it, I'm fine with. I thought that it was an interesting choice to cut in and out of those things as the songs were going. Um, yeah, it didn't. It didn't really bother me once I got my bearings. I mean, what you're describing sort of sounds like um, what um, what pushes me away from from give even giving a lot of musicals a chance is because i feel like just the the act of like people breaking into song and dance uh i worry that it'll take me out of the action and so so maybe i did feel that way at the beginning um but i think the movie really earns uh its fantasy and um uh i i got i got used to it pretty quickly and I think it it's it's just like such a such a whimsical wild movie that that I ended up being all right with it. You know, I wouldn't want it in the in the original movie because um, that's a, such a different type of movie. But in this one, it it ended up working for me because it is sort of a a frantic movie, and we we go to uh, a bunch of different places at, at different times. Like we go into Matilda's head, and we uh, we see things that she's imagining, or we see her. Um, doing like a handstand on the roof and so i don't actually know what's literal so i kind of just think that like either nothing is literal or or everything is literal and uh so i I was all right with it i can just i just kind of let the movie do whatever it wanted and i was okay man when she was just cartwheeling down the hall yeah that just came out of nowhere she just she just whipped that out and i loved it Look, if I could just whip out cartwheels in a moment's notice, I probably would too. You can. I cannot. I believe I'll be, in you. I'll be injured. You just got to be in the middle of a song that you're really feeling. She was but, feeling herself with that song. Yeah, but I can't sing. So, like, there's several hurdles to this, I think. I feel you- like the fantasy element is just something that, like, is pretty big reason why i don't tend to like movie musicals because i think there's just so much that you can do well i mean obviously like theater and film are very different like art forms and there are different rules so there's a lot that you can do in that sort of fantastical side of things on the stage that you can't do in a film because it 
pulls you out of the action because you're forced to cut to a completely different scene. Whereas like on stage, you can have multiple things going on at the same time and multiple different sets happening at the same time. And it doesn't feel like it's pulling you out or it doesn't feel like it's too much. Like I think about um, two good examples of this are like Les Mis and Into the Woods. And like both of those are extremely over the top stage shows when it comes to the music and and the sets and everything you know kind of going on at the same time and in those stage productions none of it feels overwhelming because I think you're just in the right setting for it and um just like the art form itself kind of allows for something like that to happen um and what happened with those movies in the end was that they really and Mitch you've seen Les Mis the movie and the show so and Into the Woods so you know but like they ended up dulling the movie down a lot which I had a problem with like in both cases um and I like that this movie kept its kind of over the top whimsical aspects and really tried to stay as true to the stage show as possible while still you know adhering to film and and what you're able to do there but for that reason i can totally see mitch like why you feel that disconnect between like the action and the fantasy i think that's really really hard to pull off in a film production yeah uh, and again I, I do like like the fantasy in, in in most places in some cases i wish it might have been more muted um because the the film i think is uh I think it's much more um, generous and kind of giving than the than the Danny DeVito adaptation is in a lot of ways because I feel like that film is is full of of sort of more um, subtlety and uh, this this film uh, to me feels like kind of like like kind of showing and telling and I feel like um, the the instances of of kind of of fantasy and nuance and like the and all of that feels, um, I think, a bit more earned in, in the DeVito film, whereas this one just sort of feels like a full plate given to you right right in front of you. And it makes sense that a musical might do that um, because, A, I think, like, song and dance tends to just bring in uh, a lot of kind of, like, uh, levity, and um, I feel like it doesn't have the same sort of nuances as, as a, a, a drama might. Um, but this one... Um, feels i think uh, a a bit watered down um emotionally and in and in like the ways of fantasy that's a fair point that's a really fair point um that the first movie you know it it really is amazing how that the first movie has those fantastical elements you know the story is all is all still there it's got telekinesis it's got it's got parents who you don't understand like it 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 is it's ridiculous how much they don't care about their child um we've got miss honey living in the woods and uh um trench bowl throwing the girl with pigtails and all this stuff that's just that's just totally off the wall um but it it does it does ground it in a really fascinating way, whereas this movie doesn't doesn't have that on the surface. But as I settled into it, I actually um, was picking up on on subtlety in this movie that was really uh, striking a chord with me. Um, and 
interestingly enough, Mitch, it was one of the things that you said you would remove um, the uh, the When I Grow Up song. Really? I loved that, dude. That might be my favorite part of the movie. Interesting. Um, Why is that? I just I thought that the song and what they were saying, um, even separate from the visuals. I mean, this might be the one instance where the song was what was speaking to me more than the visuals were. I thought it so well captured um, the the feeling that Matilda must be feeling, and then by having the other kids sing the song as well and then miss honey it was communicating that you know this isn't a story just about matilda because she's special and has is smart and has telekinetic powers this is this is a story about uh any any person who who feels left out in the world and and the way they were talking about um the lyrics were so plain um and and I think that was sort of uh, to its to its benefit. Um, it was almost just like I was reading like a kid's journal, or it was like uh, I was watching with my partner, and she said it was like that they actually asked kid like literal young kids what they want when they grow up, and then and then wrote it down, and then um, by putting it in this song, I think it really teased out the. Uh, the emotion of it um these kids that think that when they get to a different place in time they'll have they'll have everything figured out and they'll it'll either be trivial stuff that they'll just be able to do the stuff that they think is important now like stay up late and eat snacks or it'll be stuff um much grander like they'll they'll feel brave and they'll feel confident in themselves and then by juxtaposing that with Miss Honey at the end and having Miss Honey sing over Matilda and they're singing back and forth to each other, I thought it was just like the perfect encapsulation of uh, what I think the the story is about. And I thought it was it was just an awesome centerpiece to the movie. And I did I didn't know that the, the movie needed that um, uh, because it was totally new to me. Um, but I, I thought it was. Uh, such a beautiful beautifully sad um but poignant uh point in the film and i and i thought it was i thought it was subtle as well because you could you could take it as a um just uh some some sort of uh trivial musings of of kids and sort of a a chance to get more kids singing and have some cool visuals fantastical visuals but as it went on i just i i was just thinking more and more about like my own life and shit and it was it was really hitting me i i loved that part interesting i i mean i think we're gonna have just like a a born in a trunk kind of agree to disagree in reference to our star is born <laughs> episode uh for it it didn't really do that for me you said it was it was plain and for me it just sort of felt very um which i guess is deliberate because you're dealing with you know kids but uh for me it it just felt um i don't know just kind of like very um uh on the surface and uh it it didn't hit with me was kind of uh a lot of this film sort of has that sort of cotton candy vibe and that scene especially and um i think that that just didn't that didn't hit with me quite the way that that the, the i guess uh the the original or 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 you know other stuff like that uh does i think like yeah that particular sequence did, just didn't do it for me i, I kind of explained why earlier but what yeah. did you think about it cory 
I think I liked it. Um, if we're looking for decisive votes one way or the other, uh, I, I suppose. Um, I feel like my brain is trying to form a point. Would, and I'm would you leave it on the editing room floor if this weren't a digital film? No, no, I don't think so. I think it's kind of crucial, isn't it? It doesn't feel uh, crucial to me at all. I don't think it's in service to really much. I think um, all those things, I think, are, are kind of, uh, I think, apparent throughout the film and with the, with the kids and their actions and, and what they want, right? I, I. But it is a musical. Sure, it's a musical, but I so, feel like they already get this, this, these sorts of points along in, in other musical numbers. It feels, to me, completely superfluous. I hard disagree with that. I'm sorry. I just have to come in and say, I feel like it, that song is like one of the most necessary songs in the film because it connects you to all of the other kids. And like Liam said, like it shows you that, um, you know, it, it's about all of these, you know, misfitted children that are being, you know, treated poorly or just looked down upon because of their age. And they do have legitimate, you know, wants and dreams and feelings. And I think it really like, um, I don't know. Not that kids aren't like humans, but it humanizes these kids. Like it really connects you, at least connected me to these kids. And I think maybe part of this, why it worked so well for me is like having such young siblings at home. I could really see my little sisters and my little brother in these kids talking about, um, you know, eating candy and all of these things that they're going to do when they're older that, you know, seem so childish and trivial to us as adults but you know it brings you back to when when you were a kid or looking at the kids around you and just having that kind of you know excitement about all the things you're going to do when you're older and and how you're going to live your life and to me it really worked to connect me to the rest of the kids in the in the show who don't get individual I want songs like Matilda does I do like that I want songs is a is a usable existing phrase. I enjoy that quite a bit. I want to steal the doll. <laughs> yeah, um, that movie would have been better as a musical, honestly. No, I would see a no. Home Alone musical in a heartbeat. That'd be great. That Home Alone? No, 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 no. A yeah. different Home. I'd say like it's just like a different property. I don't. It doesn't even have to be, you know, the older one. But I feel like that could be a real heater. Home Alone. I'm pretty sure there is a Home Alone the musical. Oh, there's gotta be. There's it's a musical a, for fucking everything around nowadays. Christmas time. That that's just like an excuse to make money. Yeah, there's gotta be. But no, I, I definitely see your point. I guess just what I was saying is is that you know, to me, I think that those things are all like definitely true about that sequence. But I think it's also true about the other sequences. I think it might just not be as fleshed out because it might be more focused on Matilda. But I think. Um, that you also get all those same sort of impressions, I think, from other sequences as well. So I, I to me, I just it feels like one too many. Um, but you know that's fine. Yeah. Do we want to? We'll agree to disagree on that. Yeah, I think that's that's healthy. We should we should truck right. I'm along. gonna die on this hill. You're never gonna change my mind, and anyone who disagrees with me is an idiot. And I will draw out this podcast until my dying breath. Fuck all of you. <laughs> wow okay well then i guess i'll ask liam about this because you guys are gonna fight each other to the death on the podcast um i feel like this is a great opportunity to pivot to generally talking about 
uh, you know, once we get into to the school and we do have all these kids around, uh, how we feel about this, like, ensemble of students. Because in my assessment, they're unreal. They're all Everybody's... great except for the collaborationist. There, she's not a collaborationist. You've ne- you've maybe never been more wrong about a take on something ever. But Eric and I are both wrong. Yeah, you I are. It's just been a good bit. But <laughs> no, yeah, if you watched the movie again, you would not think that. I'm going back with my notepad to see if she's a collaborationist. Dude, if she's a collaborationist, she would have confessed to it in the "When I Grow Up" song. When she I grow up, admitted. I want to rat on my friends and sell them out. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and no, and I... use their failures for my personal gain, because I'm a <laughs> collaborationist. <laughs> That's the song name, because I'm a collaborationist. Yeah. Um, I, re- I, re- I thought all the kids were, were great. I thought they were memorable. Um, uh, either like physically, like they just got a, they got like a, a memorable look about them or, or memorable habits. Like I loved Bruce. He was, uh, there was this one scene where he was talking and just eating a steady stream of cheese puffs the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was awesome. I really liked, uh, Lavender, the other yeah, me too. girl. Um, I thought she just could have easily been Matilda as well. I mean, I, I love the, I love the Matilda we got, but, um. I th- I thought she was she was great too. I thought she just had this this star quality about her. These um, kids all got the riz. What can you say? You can't yeah. say they have riz, Corey. That's inappropriate. Why can't yeah, you? I, say I don't know what that means. I'm canceling this. It's podcast. charisma. Oh. They, they got riz. No, no, not exactly. <laughs> Isn't it? I... This is me being genuine. I genuinely I've only ever heard it used as like yeah, short for it's. That's why it's riz. So if I'm wrong. I didn't know. <laughs> I've only ever seen it on like, I don't know, those like pickup artist videos where they're really? like, yo, <laughs> man's got Riz. Yeah, Riz, I usually like. Um, I've never heard it like, in that context the, ever. Ability to kind of like sway someone uh, like romantically. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never heard it used that way. <laughs> Corey, you've got to now think very differently about uh, that woman you saw on the street the other week with her baby. And you said, man, your baby pretty rizzy got good riz on that your baby speaking of parts that are gonna die on the editing room floor <laughs> i'll keep that in i just didn't wah, know wah. that there's nothing wrong with me not knowing something we we learn on this podcast yeah uh then the kids are very charismatic i'll say the full word then is that better yeah, much better thank you it's better thanks yeah i feel like i would have watched i i would have wanted this movie to be like five hours long just so i could see more red beret girl I, she did not get enough screen time for my liking dude she was so good she was my favorite like child dancer actor whatever in the show like she was amazing if she succeeded in her goal and selling out her Stop. fellow comrades We're not doing this there could have been a five hour movie there could have been like a just like a 10 hour feature of misery no, I agree. All the kids are wonderful. Like, um, a, like a Soviet. Like. <laughs> yeah, this war and peace eight hour adaptation. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I agree with Abigail that all, and all of you. The kids are just like there's an unimaginable level of talent in this. And I just can't wait to see what they all uh, go on to do with their careers. They're incredibly bright. I love the central performance as, as Matilda. And I'm usually not really 
child performances for me in, in movies i'm kind of iffy about right um because so often that's like the thing that can make or break a film they put so much on 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 those performances and kids are kids right so if it's not good it's it's not good and and it just might not work and but there there's not a not one performance from like a kid in this movie that is weak and and the dancing is incredible like the the energy is incredible the way that they're able to to portray and convey um like distinct details about their character is is great and, and I, yeah all these kids are going to going to go on and have really bright careers and i i just hope that the movie machine doesn't stamp out that that brightness in them because yeah they're they're all extremely talented that finale number can we just talk about that for a moment where kids again are doing Uh, like the the revolution are doing like backflips and shit and they're like barely in the center of the frame because that is somehow not the most like impressive thing that you're looking at in that given moment like it's fucking crazy bruce has got bars for days with that PA system, he's tearing up the fucking hallways. And then we got Red Red Beret just absolutely tearing it up. It's extremely fun to watch. And the kids look like they're having a good time, which is nice. You know, sometimes you just want to hang out. Dance with your friends. It's great. Yeah, I think stuff like that will make it very rewatchable. Um I think there's just there's a lot of energy to this movie. Um, seeing them dance around like that, and uh, the kids, they got they got the charisma. Um, you know, I I said earlier that <laughs> that I, was close. <laughs> I, I said earlier that that Matilda kind of reminded me of a young Hermione, and the whole movie actually um, reminded me of of the first Harry Potter movie, um, which which might might be my favorite Harry Potter movie or second favorite, um, in the way that it just it feels so sure of itself um and has these these kids where you're just wondering like where did they come from they they did such a good job at picking these kids out and i think they're they're only gonna go on to do to do awesome shit and um and i i love the uh i just i really loved the the vibe of this movie i will say before we go that um i think the movie could have been even longer uh not just because i we needed more uh, collaborationist stuff but there was a scene that i was really missing from the original i was excited to get to it um once i realized that this movie was hitting a lot of the the same beats as the the original story and so i figured it was coming and we didn't get it and that's um Matilda breaking into Miss Trenchbull's house and having yeah, to uh, run away finale. from her. I Terrifying. think I, I think that's the best. That's the best scene in the original movie. I think about that often. At one point, I even I wrote a song inspired by the feeling that that fucking chase sequence gives me um like matilda hiding beneath a table where she's like tucked herself away and all these hallways and all the clutter in there and um miss trenchable's like big gothic home um is is that is any of that in the in the musical abigail um no i don't think so do do they end it with the the big sort of chain demon in the in the musical too which i think looks great um no the big chain demon. Uh, that's pretty hard to do on on stage, I think. But they do something similar, yeah, where she's like a ghost. Yeah, where she's like whipping <laughs> chains around the the classroom. Yeah, the I feel like the why, finale why was you, pretty. Why did you say pretty, a ghost like? 
I'm sorry. I'm sorry, but why did he say a ghost like that? Because it's Mitchell. A ghost. <laughs> a ghost. <laughs> no, no. I agree with Liam. That that scene from the original is fucking scary. God, like I'm sorry. I, I think about that sequence often. And she's like throwing those those hammers or whatever. Um through like drywall and like destroying her house and grunting and snorting and just like moving like a like a wild hog might like looking for for like a it's a bleeding prey like it it's a horrifying sequence and i i was disappointed that it, it didn't make it in because again i think you could still have that and the cool uh chain demon but and that final confrontation where it's like, you're all going into Chokey is good. Um, and, and yeah, sorry, Abby, what were you going to say before I t- got ghosting there for a second? I was going to say that my favorite Harry Potter movie is The Risner of Azkaban. <laughs> <laughs> Lupin got that Riz. Look, a guy, a guy slightly misuses a slang term one time. Lupin Sirius does black. have the Riz. Lupin he got the Riz, too. Sirius Black. Sirius Riz is Black. Sirius. I feel like there's one thing we haven't touched on. I know Liam was ready to hightail it out of here, potentially. Um, but uh, really quick, I feel like we haven't talked about like Miss Honey a lot. And I know that people love Play. talking about OG Miss Honey. Um, and I'm just curious about how we feel about this movie's Miss Honey. I like will say that i find miss honey in all versions kind of like i don't know she's not like the part of the like story that i pay the most attention to like i think her reunion or like her adopting matilda at the end is really sweet and like i'm happy for them and whatever um but i will say that i think um is it lashana is that her name um yeah i believe it is yeah yeah, Lashana Lynch. Yeah, I will say she's probably my favorite Miss Honey that I've seen. Um, she killed it, in my opinion, like vocally. And I think she just like embodied the energy of that like sweet, kind school teacher with like a heart of gold. And um, I think she did a really good job. Yeah, I, I, I think that I prefer uh, this Miss Honey as well. I think I, I really love the scene where they go back to her little, uh, I think she calls it a shed. Um, and she's kind of showing Matilda all of her, her things. And it, it's like a, not a, like a nice place, but she's kind of made it into this homey sort of warm, uh, safe place. And uh, I don't know. I like that scene. Yeah, me too. I, uh, I loved, I loved this Miss Honey. Um definitely equally as much as i i love the original miss honey i i just really like that character i like i like uh, that um it shows that you know just because you're an adult doesn't mean you've got um you 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 have fulfillment i mean obviously that's clear from matilda's parents but it's also clear on the other end that you can be a really good person and that might not be enough you know you you need other people you need someone to relate to and to talk to and and miss honey doesn't have that she's had an equally hard life and she's she's persisted um you know so she's an inspiration to matilda in that way but they still need each other in order to uh to um you know, be as fulfilled as they can be. And so I, I just love that aspect of the story. And I think in both movies, they cast someone that that totally embodies that 
that sweetness. And so I, I really loved, I really loved this actress as well. Cool. Do we have any glaring omissions to the Matilda musical discussion that we want to make sure that we get to while we're here? No. <laughs> no. Do you have any more accents you we want to do while we're here? Nah. <laughs> Did you say a ghost again, but quieter and far away? Maybe. <laughs> All right, uh, then I guess no other, no better other thing to do than uh, find out what we're what we're watching next week, which I'm which I'm like a good eighty percent sure is up to me, but I'm never sure anymore. But uh, I think I it's think, me. It's Mitch, it's, dude. It's me. <laughs> it's me. Yeah. Is it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because what the Thin Man truck? Oh, we just we just did truck. So oh, fucking dumbass. Fuck. Damn okay. Shame. I'm I'm, I'm totally caught off guard here. <laughs> Well, if you don't know, can I make a suggestion? What? Is that a lot? I think that we got an avatar soon. Yeah, you're right. Okay. TikTok. We got to see it in theaters. Well, why couldn't we avatar with uh, your pick? Uh, we can. That's what no. I would have picked. I'm just no, saying. No. If you didn't I, I, have I agree. Pick. I agree. Time is a wasting. Um, I can probably get away to a theater two between now and then. So, yeah. You got yeah. a whole last week. Yeah, what the hell? It's avatar two. <laughs> Avatar. Avatar two. How do you do? Avatar. Uh, Avatar the musical. Oh God, no. You don't want that. Nah, nah. You don't want to sing uh, a song number. If I wanted, if I wanted musical blue people, I'd go and see the Blue Man Group. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. I'm not gonna make a joke better than that. So I guess I'll just leave that there. Uh, <laughs> man, I can't believe I was like, I I did kind of think it might have been me today. That's so funny. Um, and by funny, I mean, and by funny, it happens every fucking, by episode. funny, I mean, it happens every time and I'll never learn. And every time I think it's something, I should just assume it's something else. Um, Abigail, I know you don't always have plugs or anything, but do you have like a final message for the people? Do you have any, do you have any final words, parting wisdom? Anything just of that be nature. careful who you're saying has Riz. All right. Look. Just watch out. You say, look. I just, I didn't know that's what the word was. I. Yeah, that goof has Riz. You just got to be careful there, Corey. Whenever you're uh, describing a kids in some way, you better be pretty sure about what it is you're saying. <laughs> I guess that's fair. I guess that's fair. I didn't. I just. I don't know. It sounds short for charisma. I assumed that's. That I assumed that's all it was. <laughs> It's short for Corey Priz. Damn, so true. <laughs> it still doesn't make it like a great... I should have just said that. They, they've got big me vibes. <laughs> it just went me, me Plaza vibes. <laughs> we Shop Channel vibes. Uh, okay, yeah. Be careful where you're th- how you're throwing the word Riz around. You don't want to get too, uh, too out of line with that. Um... Mitch, do you have any ghosts you want to talk about or anything? Any any plugs or, or anything like that? Clean coal, not the chokey. Clean coal, not the chokey. So true. Um, Liam, do you have anything you'd like to plug as well? Uh, I have a I have a Twitter and Letterboxd account. The username is Graham the Mallow. 
Uh, I've got Twitter and Letterboxd as well, at Mr. Corey Price. And if you go to MortalCombatConquest.ca, you can see the other podcasts that I make. Um, there's Strat 2, which is in the off-season, because F1 is also in the off-season. And there's MK PodQuest, which I do with our friend Neil, which should have an episode about the final comic book that we're covering if I have my scheduling right. And I believe I do. So you can go find that. that MK PodQuest. No, I think I do this time. I I know that's like a silly thing for me to say. You know the schedule how... of that podcast, but ours there's three people on ours to be fair. Yeah, I think I have that one, but like maybe I don't. I mean, I also teased us doing a Sailor Moon episode like a month ago and we still haven't gotten to it, but that's for like actual scheduling issues and not like me being wrong. It was just the plan changed rather than I was incorrect. So do I get an I want song where I just get a memory that works? Can I get one of those? What? It's not. Sorry. <laughs> I said, can I get an I want song where I just get a memory that works? Like memory? Like from cats? I want to steal the doll? No, not like from cats. Just like my own brain. You can have whatever song you want, dude. True. It's your life. It's, you that's... live it. I want to steal the doll. Um, and on that uh, uplifting note, thank you all once again for listening to this episode of They Made Another One. You can find us all over the internet on Twitter at They Made Another, which is all one word and on Letterboxd at TMAO. You can find us on uh, a whole bunch of podcasting services that took me to Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else. As they made another one, you can reach us via email at tmaopodcast.gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes, questions, comments, and definitions of slang terms we might also be using wrong. Our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jade Dickinson. You can find on Instagram at Jade Sketches. Thank you again, Abigail, very much for coming back on. It was fun. The pleasure Bye. is mine. Thank you. I'm sure it will not be the last. We'll find some other. We can do Les Mis if you want. You said you didn't like it, so I'm sure it's a good choice. Barf City. Barf City, bro. That's what they used to call France. Um, all of it. Just individually Barf City. Anyway. They ate too much cake. Uh, <laughs> and with all that out of the way, we're going to go to Pandora next week with, with James Cameron. I love Borderlands. <laughs> they made another one.